Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 39 of a series of episodes that we've been calling Leading Others to Christ. As you know, those of you that have been listening during these episodes, we're going to be focused on evangelism. Uh, one of our goals, and we have several, but one of them is, is, to, is really to stir our audience up, to stir them up to love and good works, but especially in the area of reaching our family, our friends, our neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, uh, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I keep—I do, don't know if I keep doing this or not, but those of you that don't know, Franklin is about 20 miles south of, of downtown Indianapolis, uh, and that gives you a little uh, a, a visual there, if you will, of where we're located. Those of you that know me know that uh, I'm passionate about our, our subject today, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. And um, I've always wanted to be a teacher. Uh, if you'd ask me, you know how when you were little, sometimes people say, when I was a kid, they called me Danny. They'd say, Danny, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I can remember in the fourth grade saying, I want to be a basketball coach. And then later I learned that I had to be a teacher to be able to do that. So, so I've been a, a teacher and a coach, if you will, for, uh, for my whole, uh, almost my whole life, certainly my whole career. And I see myself more uh, as a teacher than a preacher, but but I've always strived to want to learn how to do this better. And I'm still a work in progress, but especially in evangelism, use some Bible phrases, how to, how to teach others, how to sow the seed, how to be a fisher of men and women, uh, how to persuade, how to teach others to teach. Uh, remembering what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then later in the chapter, uh, he talks about uh, encouraging Timothy to be useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So in just thinking about all of that, uh, came up with this idea of interviewing people. And that this is one of my COVID projects, if you will, <laughs> and to learn how to do Zoom and do these. But, but to think about who are the ones that are out there uh, that are doing this, uh, the men, the women, uh, the fellow workers who are who are reaching and leading others to Christ and to talk to them and uh, and see why they're so motivated. What tools are they using um, and uh, and and to find out where they're working and, and the community that they're working in. And and so uh, thus this uh, this series of episodes and uh, enough about me. We're excited today to have with us somebody that I'm convinced that we can learn a lot from. And uh, so I've done this every time, too. I encourage you, uh, unless you're driving, listening to this, get out pen and paper so you can make some notes. Um, but uh, we're happy to have with us today uh, Shane Scott. Welcome, Shane. Well, it is great to be with you today, Dan. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Well, good. I, I was thinking, and of course, we reminisced a little bit. and We don't have time to go into all of our connections, but it, it's interesting. We've got a lot of a lot of connections uh, uh, for our past, but uh, I know we met first met, I guess, years ago in Lexington, Kentucky, when when you were in Winchester and, and I was in Lexington. And I have to have to do a little bit, but you also went to college, Florida College, with our daughter Kim, 
uh, Cam Barker and our uh, future son-in-law at the time, Ted Butler. And, uh, uh, and then uh, uh, also currently our youngest granddaughter, uh, uh, Jensen Butler, who's in her first year of teaching there in the Tampa area. She's worshiping with you guys there at Del Rico. So yeah, uh, yeah lots, of, uh, lots of connections here. But, you know, uh, I start every episode out with uh, Shane, what I call it's like the old elevator pitch, uh, a short bio. Uh, tell everybody, uh, a lot of people know who Shane Scott is, but there's people that don't know uh, Shane. But a lot of people don't know who Dan Barker is. But, uh, <laughs> but tell, if you would, take a few minutes here and tell everybody where you were born and how you learned the truth and where you are now. Kind of bring everybody up to speed. Sure. I, I was born in uh, Winchester, Kentucky, and uh, lived there uh, all of my growing up years. And uh, one of the key spiritual influences in my life was um, a preacher named Paul Johnson. For a long time, uh, we drove over to Lexington and worshiped over at the University Heights Church when I was a kid. And then uh, the summer, I think between my fifth and sixth grade year, we started the, the church in Winchester and uh, Paul Johnson was our first preacher. And as somebody who grew up without a father, he not only was um, my preacher, but he really did become a father figure in my life. And, and he and his family just embraced me and took me under their wing. And uh, it was uh, then in, in my later teenage years when I uh, became a Christian. And um, th uh, there's um, probably no preacher that's had more of an, an influence on me just in the person I am than, um, than, than Paul. And so I'm always going to be indebted to him and to his family. And then um, I went away and attended Florida College, as you said. And then um, after I finished there, I came back to Central Kentucky and started preaching full-time, first uh, out in the country in Montgomery County. Now, people in other places don't get this, but in Kentucky, we go by county more than we do by town. So I, I grew up in Clark County, and then I started preaching in Montgomery County at a little church out in the county called uh, Oak Hill. And then from there, uh, moved up to uh, northwest Indiana to a town called Portage and preached up there for six years and then taught at Florida College for three years and then moved back to the Chicago area to the city of Elgin, Illinois, and preached there for four and then down to Nashville and preached there for eight and a half years um, and uh, uh, married my wife, Christy. We were students together. Uh, it just took us about 25 years to figure out that uh, nobody else would have us, so we should have each other. So we oh. got married there in, in Tennessee, and then we moved here just a little over seven years ago. Uh, we came to Valrico. Uh, one of my dear mentors, Marty Pickup, preached here for many years, and after he suddenly passed away, Christy and I felt like maybe this was a place where we could go and, and be of some help. But then uh, when we came here, Christy had had a bout of cancer up in Nashville. And when we moved here, her cancer came back. And it turned out these people we thought we were coming to help uh, instead were a great help to us and uh, lifted us up during the uh, extent of her illness. And then uh, after she passed away, have continued to lift me up and support me. Um, and so just uh, love the people here a, a great deal. And, and, uh, that's pretty much my, my life story so far. Well, um, yeah, you're just a kid, right? You're just what? 53. How old are you? That's exactly right. I'm 53. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, see, how has anybody told you that you're a kid lately? Well, you know, it's a funny thing you asked that. After Bible study uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, one of the college kids came up to me and and had a question. And one of our little kids, whose name is Gabe, came up to us and he asked me how old I was. And I said, well, how old do you think I am? And he said, 106. So, uh, <laughs> and then I asked him how old he thought the college student was. And he said, 19. So he's got oh. a pretty accurate gauge, right? Wow. So, uh, <laughs> great. You know, the out of the mouth of babes, right? That's right. That's right. So, you know, uh, I, I try to do this during the interviews. I've got several things, obviously, that I want to cover. But, you know, um, just several things that you mentioned there. I have to address just a little bit because sure. uh, our life is uh, is about relationships. And of course, we're talking about from evangelism, talking about relationship with God and Jesus and uh, that whole the whole spiritual family mm-hmm. conversation. But just the ones in our lives that uh, you mentioned, Paul Johnson uh, is Paul. I, I don't know. Is Paul still alive? No, he actually passed away several years ago. He uh, he had Alzheimer's and okay. he passed away. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember. It was either 2003 or 2004, okay. but uh, but he passed away back then. Now, his wife, Betty, uh, is still alive and doing well, and she's still there in uh, in Winchester. And we keep wow. up with each other on Facebook. And uh, when I get, get a chance to go back home, um, uh, every now and then I'll try to look her up and, and visit with her some and, and, uh, and just spend some time with her. Well, you know, and obviously you, you're doing that already, but I try to encourage people when I hear things like that, if, uh, let's say Paul was still alive and, and, uh, the fellow that baptized me, he since, uh, uh, passed away. But if they're the people in our lives that have helped us in whatever, uh, uh, if they're still alive, to reach out to them, send them a card, call them if you haven't in a long time and say, hey, thank you so much. Because yeah. I don't know where I would be if you hadn't taken that time, uh, to, especially uh, spiritually, to take the time to show me what the Bible teaches. And uh, I think sometimes people forget to be thankful. That, that's, yes. a Bible, that's a Bible subject. Uh, yeah. Forget to be thankful. But um, And then just... Uh, uh, with Christy, I never had a chance to meet her. I've heard so many great things about her, and uh, and I know she was uh, such a, 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 a what help me and, and support for you and and uh, uh, in, in the work that y'all did together. So again, appreciate that. Um, we had uh, my wife went through a bout of cancer, breast cancer, about a year and a half ago. So that's the first time we'd had you know, experienced that. Uh, mm-hmm. not, cancer in the family before so anyway uh but the relationships that we have and you mentioned several there marty pickup and paul johnson and your wife and and just in the people there in the community now that is all a part of the conversation about evangelism it really is uh and how all those things connect and and sometimes we don't we can't see the big picture but here let's go let's go this way why Shane, why are you doing what you do? Why, of all the things you could have done, you know, why are you involved in preaching and teaching and leading others to Christ? Why, how would you answer that? Well, it's a weird sort of thing, Dan. When I was in about the sixth grade, uh, 
I had some cousins that uh, went to a different church, kind of from a different background, but they asked me if I wanted to go to their summer Bible camp. And I said, well, sure. So I went, and this was before I really knew anything like about Florida College and the Florida College camps and that, and that kind of thing. And um, we were doing one of those Bible drill games, you know, which you do with kids sometimes at a camp. And um, I hadn't really, my mom was unfaithful to the Lord through most of my childhood. So I didn't grow up going to Bible class regularly. I'm so jealous of these kids today and, and how good our Bible classes are now compared to, you know, what, what it was like when I was a kid. But anyway, somehow or another, I, I did pretty well in that Bible drill game. And the lady, I have no idea who she was, but the lady just said, you ought to be a preacher. And what? for some reason that hit my mind and it was like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then, of course, because I was so close to uh, Paul and because he was a preacher, it's like any of those strong male figures in your life. You know, I'm sure your interest in coaching was driven in part by maybe a coach you had who was a big influence on you, you know. And so my interest in preaching was also driven by just that relationship with Paul. And although there were many other things I thought about at times, like uh, teaching or maybe law or and some of those things, I guess ever since that moment, and when I was in the sixth grade, I just kind of felt like the things that I really enjoy doing, I enjoy studying and trying to figure things out. And I enjoy people. And I enjoy trying to communicate and putting lessons together. All those things just kind of really converge together, you know, to do, uh, to do this work. Well, and we're so thankful that, uh, Whoever that lady was, that she planted, I that, know. <laughs> planted that seed, right? Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, you know, and then the uh, uh, the the things that keep us motivated, that keep us going, uh, because you and I both know, uh, and this is not being negative; it's just real. But you and I both know uh, the same men that were preaching that are no longer preaching. Mm -hmm. uh, that for whatever reason, uh, a lot of varied stories of, of they got discouraged and they, and they quit. Um, and, uh, but I, I just think that there's so much that we need to do in a lot of places. Uh, this is going on a lot of, a lot of uh, the people that we've interviewed, this is part of the community, the, the culture, uh, Max Dawson out in Texas, that, that was one of the things he kept mentioning in his interview is the DNA uh, in the culture of the congregation mm -hmm. there of, uh, of reaching out in the community. But we've got to be around like-minded people from, from that standpoint. I need to be around, I need to be around Shane uh, that is motivated in doing this type work to keep me motivated. Mm -hmm. uh, e even 74 year old guys still need to be motivated uh, uh, by the kids of the world. No. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I just, uh, and you've got different others in your life that you can think about that have motivated you as well. And, uh, and we just kind of gravitate toward those kind of people. So that's part of this interview process yeah. too. Again, is to keep everybody uh, motivated and stirred up, as I said, to, uh, the things we ought to be doing. Where, what, tell us a little bit about the church there at Valrico. Yeah. Um, the church here started, I think back in the late eighties, 
as a swarm off from the Brandon congregation. If you've ever been down this area, you know that when you get to Brandon, you don't really know when Brandon ends and Valrico uh, begins, you know, so they're close yes. to each other. And then the church here has just steadily grown through the years. Uh, our area just continues to grow and Florida and, and Hillsborough County continue to grow. So um, a lot of that growth has just kind of been just a steady, natural, um, you know, incline. And then uh, Marty pick up preach here for 19 years. And of course, Marty was just such a, a uniquely gifted uh, preacher and teacher. And so uh, just gave the church here such a rich uh, and substantive uh, diet of the word of God, you know. So, um, so then when I, when I came here, I just found um, a group of people that are incredibly loving and friendly. Uh, I like to say in a lot of ways, Valrico is almost like a country church. Um, we, we have a lot of people who come from that same kind of a rural background uh, where, I, where I grew up. Uh, and yet we also have a mix of, you know, professionals and teachers and, uh, you know, doctors, to all, all that kind of thing. But it's just a really neat uh, group of people that have a lot of love, but also a lot of passion for the Lord. We have a lot of members who are always, always thinking in terms of evangelism and engagement. And I'll tell you something that's really fascinating to me, Dan, about moving down here. Um, I was in Nashville, which I know at one time per capita had more churches of Christ than any city or county in the country. And a lot of us who have connections down here to Florida College think of Tampa as this great bastion, you know. Yes. But I remember when I moved down here, before we moved, I, I looked up on the census report to get data about religious adherence, you know, okay. who goes to what kind of religious group. And I found out that in the 2010 census, there were more professed adherents of Hinduism than churches of Christ here in Hillsborough County. So what it told me is that whereas my perception from the inside is that, well, why move to Hillsborough County or Tampa, Florida? They got all, all kinds of churches down there. The reality is per capita, you know, there is, there's a great need. And it was just a reminder to me that sometimes you can get tunnel vision from your your circles, you know, your network of friends can lead you to have a certain kind of tunnel vision about what an area is like that, that turns out not to be the case. And, and so when I saw that, I felt like in Nashville, it was kind of hard to get Bible studies from visitors because there were so many congregations that had Church of Christ on the sign that so many people had preconceived notions that it was kind of hard to get a fresh start with people, you know, but um, so one of the reasons I was interested in moving here was to, to have a different kind of field to work in. And sure enough, like almost the first Sunday I was here, we had visitors walk in off the street and we have them all the time, you know, that uh, we've been able to have Bible studies with. I, I'm glad you shared that because that just, uh, you saw my mouth open up when you said yeah. that Hinduism, I, I would not, uh, uh, have thought that at all but you know that that brings it's like the political climate that we have today with uh, immigration and, and there's so many communities out there 
that are like that are, are pockets of people that have moved in from other countries and they grab just like we would gravitate toward other people from our same our same part of the world right. and so you've got communities like that that are popping up that's been a, a fun thing about the interviews of interview a, a gardner hall or caleb churchill up in new york and harlem well that's different from from Winchester, Kentucky, uh, are <laughs> different from Franklin, Indiana, and, and and then what you're describing there, uh, Ethan Long Henry out in L.A. and yeah. Brent are up in, in in Washington, the state of Washington. Uh, so that's a fascinating part of the work too, is the the makeup of the community, uh, yes. the makeup of your congregation, and then the makeup of the community. And um, if uh, you know let's say Gay and I would visited there and we were not Christians and, but somehow we show up there, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gay's my wife. Uh, and, uh, and we, we show up there and obviously we're interested in spiritual things or we wouldn't be there. How would you, how would you approach us? How, how would you, uh, I mean, I'm assuming the group would be friendly when we came in. Yes. You know, I, have you ever heard the horror stories? I know you have. <laughs> They visited visited someplace and nobody said anything to them. Uh, yes. just, that's just so discouraging. But so, it what is. would you do? What would you do with it, Shane? If we were, how would you approach us? Maybe about a study. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Normally, our group is extremely friendly, but um, like a lot of churches, we have struggled during this pandemic to figure out. Uh, you know, even things as simple as the logistics of handing out visitors cards. Some people yeah. don't want to touch something someone else has touched. So we've been trying to think about different things we could do to kind of get around that, uh, get around that. So this past year, I, I am sure that we've had a lot of opportunities kind of slip through our fingers. And and uh, we're trying to think about ways that we can we can get around it. But under normal circumstances, what would happen is... Um, that I, we would make contact. We have a pretty good system of getting visitor cards uploaded to our website. So uh, we have work groups that will get that information and they can send out notes to our visitors and thank them for coming. Uh, I will uh, sometimes write a personal note to thank someone for coming. And then um, uh, in a follow-up then, just ask the, the, the couple, uh, hey, Dan and Gay, I just want to thank you for coming to be with us. And I want you to know if you've got any questions, uh, I'd be glad to sit down and answer those questions. And I'd love to sit down and study with you sometime. And uh, then usually that's that will be the gateway then to a study with me or with another one of our members. Well, follow up is so important, right? It, yes, it, it really is. And, um, um, you know, uh, uh this whole conversation of the community and reaching out and, uh, uh, you know, Jesus gave the apostles the great commission, we call it, and uh, to go into all the world. And, and we, to me, we are to go into our world. Shane Scott has his world, right? Yeah. I have my world. Let's talk a minute about, because uh, I know a little bit about Shane and, and uh, sometimes hobbies can be a great way to, to reach people. Uh, yeah. Share people, share people one of your favorite hobbies and, and how you've been able to to use that, if you will, in, in your work. Well, I have an unusual hobby of singing uh, barbershop quartet style music. And there's an organization called the Barbershop Harmony Society, and it has chapters around the country. And so there you can sing in like a chorus 
or you can also sing in a quartet. And uh, I love the way that you describe that. We all have our world. I came to a realization back in about 96, 1996. I was in one of our kids at church wanted to do like a little community theater and, and he asked me if I would be in it. And I said, sure. And then there were a lot of people, people he knew from school and from the community. And then after we did that show, we kind of wanted to hang out and play games. And so I invited people to come to my house. And as it turned out, Dan, the only people who came were people who did not go to church where I preached. And so all of these people in the room with me were non-churched. As far as I know, they didn't have any religious affiliation. And I remember feeling weird because it was the first time I had been in a room with non-church people only in years. Because as a preacher, all of my close friends, all of my close relationships were people from the church. And it hit me as I felt weird in that room. I get up every Sunday and tell people how they're supposed to relate to the world. And I never have to do that because I'm isolated from it. So I decided I need to expand my world. So I need to find a hobby, something that will enlarge my circles of influence. And so uh, in 1998, I made a New Year's resolution. I looked up on the website, found the local chapter, which met in a nearby town called uh, Valparaiso, Indiana, and uh, joined that and hoped that it would give me opportunities to talk to people. And uh, it just really has. I've had conversations extended conversations with barbershoppers in Sweden about the existence of God, people I would have never had a chance to talk to. And I'm not saying that now Christianity is sweeping Sweden, you know, that's not the point, but I've had the opportunity to plant seeds in, in, in people all around the world uh, because of barbershop. I have had the opportunity to baptize a couple of people, but it's just been so good for me to, to have uh, a, now a circle of friendships and relationships that are not just the people I go to church with to have an influence on. Well, uh, man, just so many things we could say there, but uh, um, I do a lot of, uh, I call them workshops, weekend uh, gospel meetings uh, where we go in and, and we talk about things like this, of how to reach out in the community Mm-hmm. And hobbies, hobbies is 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 a great one. Uh, like meetup groups, there's all kind of meetup groups out there of different yeah. uh, business groups that you could be a part of to get to know other people in the community. Um, but you know, on, I've I've heard you guys sing, uh, and you still have the. Is there this? I don't know how that works. Is it the same? Still the same four guys or? Yeah. So we, uh, when I moved to Florida, and then another one of the guys in the quartet moved to New York. We, we knew that that was going to make it hard for us to continue to perform together. So sure. we, we still remain good friends uh, and stay in touch with each other, but we, we haven't done. We actually did have a, a show scheduled last year, uh, and then, of course, the pandemic uh, put the kibosh. And incidentally, that's another thing that kind of came, came out of this for, for the sake of the kingdom there was a time in my life when I did not get many opportunities or I'm sorry, many invitations to go preach other places. And then this kind of barbershop world opened up. So I asked the elders if I could use my gospel meeting time that I wasn't using for anything 
uh, to go and do some of these shows. And then what I would do is I would try to find a, a group that was close by that particularly was smaller. And I would contact them ahead of time and say, Hey, I'm coming into the area and uh, my trip is being paid for. I would just love to come and do something for the kingdom. Can I come and preach uh, there? And not everybody could work that in, but like, for example, where Ethan Long Henry is out in California, I came in and preached out there at one time. Uh, I, I preached a couple of meetings at smaller churches, you know, that maybe, uh, maybe would not normally be able to have one. So it was really neat to be able to use the hobby uh, for that purpose as well. Um, so good. Um, yeah, my mind's just going and I'm out of time. I know, but uh, we, we may need to do a follow-up because that's uh, just, I mean, it, and somebody might say, what are they talking about? Well, it's, you know, for example, Paul, he was, uh, what did he do for a living? He, yeah. he made tents with right. Will and Priscilla, right? I mean, do you think there was any conversations that came up when people come in wanting to get a new tent or get their right. tent? Yeah, it's just uh, uh, so many conversations we could have there. Let's uh, to, Just to kind of speed up here a little bit, but tell us, uh, I call them a conversion story. If you got a story of somebody that you studied with that ended up obeying the gospel that that everybody would find interesting, yeah, you know there was a uh, some friends of mine through barbershop, and it was really interesting. the The young lady came from what you might call a spiritual but not religious background, and um, she started dating uh, a friend of mine who was uh, very you know very committed in his faith. And he was nervous about it. And we talked and I said, well, you know, the fact that she's interested in you and, and she knows the kind of person you are, um, maybe that means she's looking and she's searching. And it turned out she was. And this was certainly not like a one person effort. There were multiple influences coming to her at the same time. She started to read C.S. Lewis and kind of fell in love with him and kind of his way of thinking. And then we would do, uh, because they live elsewhere, we would do uh, Zoom or FaceTime studies. And she had a lot of questions as a person who's unreligious. So, I mean, a lot of basic fundamental questions that we would just kind of talk through and work, work through those things. And um, eventually it, it worked out to where I, I was able to baptize her. And it was like about as close to like, conversion stories from the book of Acts, where you're encountering people who are not religious at all, certainly not Christian from any standpoint of influence of Christianity, and like almost going from ground zero to becoming a, a disciple of Jesus. So, yeah. you know, just, and it just the fact that you and I, you're in Florida and I'm in Indiana, and we can do this live uh, and see each other, just the tools that we have today is another conversation and learning how to use these tools to be able to, uh, like Gardner Hall the other day said that almost every night he has a Zoom study, Bible study, yeah. and the people are in Honduras. I mean, they're all, all around the world. And uh, just like what you did, you said there. All right, we, we close it out, uh, Shane, with uh, what I call the one thing. So somebody's been listening to this and, you know, you know you've stirred them up uh, thinking about some things and, uh, uh, and there's more than one thing to learn how to, uh, to, to be involved in, in, in leading others to Christ. But what would you say would be one thing that people need to learn how to do or one thing they need to do to get involved in this work? 
I, I think uh, the one thing that I would say among many is work on learning where the other person is, where they are coming from, so that you know how to lead them to Christ. Because everybody has their own backstory. Everybody has their own package of beliefs or disbeliefs. And it's just a part of loving that person that you truly want to understand them so, so that you can know what potential hiccups they've had or challenges they have or obstacles they have, or questions they have. But um, uh, first, uh, you know, Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits talks about seek first to understand and then to be understood. It's sort of like be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So I think taking time to really try to understand where the other person is, is a, is a crucial component to this. Very powerful. Very powerful. Well, brother, let's say somebody's listening and they want to say, I want to get to know this guy some more. Would you be willing to share your contact information if somebody wanted to reach out to you? Sure. Uh, they can contact me. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, just look up my name, Shane Scott, and uh, also on Instagram. I have a blog called thinkingthroughfaith.com, uh, which I had stopped writing after Christy passed away, but recently have kind of started back up in that. And then, of course, uh, they're very happy to email me. My name is Shane Scott, uh, and then the number 829, and then gmail.com. But uh, they'd sure be welcome to follow up. Well, brother, thank you so much again for spending the time today. And uh, uh, it really is great to uh, see you again. And uh, uh, I don't know, maybe next time I get down to uh, Tampa, uh, we can have lunch or something to reach out and spend a little bit of time together. I, I would like that. Oh, that'd uh, be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Maybe even invite Jensen. She can join us too if she, she wants yeah, to. But, yeah. And, and we got to give Jensen uh, the kudos here for helping set this up because the phone number I had for you was not the right one. And uh, right. So anyway, I, I appreciate her for uh, for all that. But listen, thank you again. Keep up your good work there, and uh, we'll be following up with you. Uh, and uh, but anyway, thanks again for doing this today. Well, thank you so much, Dan. You are a big encouragement and motivator to me. So it, it's great to spend this time with you. Thanks, brother. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.